Becker's Hospital Review is committed to delivering our audience safe access to vital educational opportunities. With this in mind, our 11th annual meeting will be in virtual format for the first time. Whether in the home or workplace, attendees will have access to sessions where industry leaders will be discussing the most pressing issues in healthcare, including the rise of virtual care, addressing clinician burnout, and delivering on-price transparency. To learn more, click on the conference tab at beckershospitalreview.com. This is Laura Deardo with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled to be joined by Dr. Krista Flitch, Vice President and Chief Medical Information Officer of Penn State Health. Chris, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Hey, Laura. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you uh, giving uh, myself and Penn State Health a bit of time today. Now, before we begin the questions, could you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, sure. Happy to. So, Krista Flitch, I'm uh, an emergency physician. Grew up in Western Pennsylvania, being a guy who really liked engineering and uh, physics, but ended up in medical school in Hershey, Penn State's uh, medical school, and then did my residency in uh, emergency medicine uh, up at UMass, where got to learn lots of systems things back in the 90s. After working clinically in a community hospital for a while, ended up back at the Milnes Hershey Medical Center uh, located in Hershey, just to practice emergency medicine, but. Long story short, I ended up um, in healthcare IT, and most of it was because I was uh, one of those uh, physicians really interested in systems and and how can we improve things from uh, mostly a clinical care perspective and financial perspective. And back then, that's when uh, all these order entry and CPO things, CPOE things were were happening. And I've got lucky enough to be involved in a number of projects. And fast forward uh, a few decades later, I now get to serve Penn State Health, all of its hospitals, ambulatory practices, and uh, systems uh, as the chief medical information officer for a very uh, robust and growing health system in Penn State Health. That's fascinating to hear about your journey from your interest in engineering and physics into medicine and then technology and IT is just really fascinating to hear about. So thank you so much for that. Now, how has COVID-19 changed your strategy and your view around virtual care technology? Yeah, you know, that's been one of the one of the growth areas in, in healthcare, and uh, specifically healthcare IT and uh, central Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania overall. Uh, is no stranger to the growth of, um, of virtual care. And tell you that um, in uh, years uh, coming before COVID, God, if we can even remember previous to COVID, it's been such a long journey for all of us. Um, we uh, had very much an interest in uh, remote patient monitoring and uh, virtual visits provider to patients at home or uh, maybe uh, visits to local hospitals where you can do consultations, things like that. But there was really no burning platform. There was an interest. The technology existed. Uh, but, you know, the payment models and the, the real human need wasn't necessarily there. When, um, when COVID-19 came along and we really started doing the right thing by wearing masks and socially distancing, virtual health, specifically the direct-to-consumer, physician-to-patient interactions for virtual care exploded. For us, more than anything, we were able to keep many of our clinics and our care provisions open by uh, leveraging the existing platform we had and expanding it exponentially over a period of weeks to months. It has now expanded into specialty practices, on-demand activities. We have an app, Penn State Health On Demand, that anybody can download and get access to care. We stood up a 
free coronavirus screening application that's pretty soon going to have its um, one-year anniversary where we provide uh, virtual screenings for patients. And if you're in Pennsylvania, provide COVID-19 testing uh, at one of our drive-through sites. So we've seen this expand. Uh, more, more recently, we're expanding the, the home monitoring aspects of it, home care, uh, where we can do uh, functionally a hospital at home where we can uh, monitor patients in their home care, but do it remotely. So it has really grown. Um, I think one of the facilitators of this is the uh, ability under the uh, emergency situation that, that uh, payment uh, has been associated to continuing to provide care virtually. And while there's been lots of bad things that have happened uh, with coronavirus, especially related to outcomes of patients, some of the good learnings we had uh, were around virtual care. And to me, I think this is a a future staple of healthcare, a way that patients uh, can be uh, seen by providers at a great distance. Um, they can decrease their loss of time at home with family or at work by uh, remotely accessing care. It's a delivery system in and of itself that is uh, here to stay. That's great to hear and so interesting to think about how much that virtual care and telehealth has been advanced during the pandemic and obviously seems like it's got a foothold within the overall healthcare delivery system. So that's really fantastic. I think we'd be missing the boat if we don't take advantage of this. Necessity is the mother of invention sometimes and, and this really sparked the growth of, of virtual care and telehealth and, and I think it's a contingent upon us and the, con and, and the patients, the consumers out there to really advocate for the continuation of this care. It's a, it's a game changer for them and for us. Fantastic. And now I also wanted to ask you about enterprise imaging and radiology technology. How do you see enterprise imaging and radiology evolving in the future? Yeah, I think there's just tons of opportunities. Again, same way with some virtualization. I think the other thing that's that's really uh, helpful is especially in the in the cancer care arena, You're starting to see more and more um, MR technologies and uh, being able to really identify and um, some very focal imaging that's related to cancer care, especially in radiation oncology, to be able to identify healthy tissue versus cancer tissue and being able to go after it in a targeted way. And at Penn State Health and the Penn State Cancer Institute, um, this is a technology that we've, uh, we've looked at very heavily. And I think there's going to be some real opportunity for very advanced uh, cancer care in, in, in our region. Uh, related to these technologies. Now, <clears throat> the other thing is is uh, is sharing of, of data across different uh, systems. Um, as we develop uh, health information exchanges, uh, as we leverage national exchanges like Commonwealth and others, that information is invaluable to me. I mean, I'm an emergency physician. I still get to practice and and being able to to click on my electronic record and and with one click see information that comes from other places is is really really important. I think there's a an opportunity to enhance that with uh, with image and uh, image sharing uh, in that space, but it's not as robust as uh, the areas of data exchange uh, outside of images. Um, huge opportunity, I think, in not only. Um, increasing the quality of care, but also decreasing uh, costs for uh, imaging in multiple locations. That's interesting to hear. Thank you so much for going through that for us. Uh, what are you most excited about right now? and What makes you nervous? What am I most excited about? Uh, you know, I'm most excited about the vaccine. You know, all of us have been very focused in on 
the care of all of our patients, but uh, obviously with a with a big focus on patients uh, who have uh, COVID-19. And for uh, months, uh, we've been working through all the protocols and treatments and studying the best way to care for them in an inpatient and an outpatient. And, you know, the, the uh, mRNA technology that was uh, uh, developed uh, and used for the first two emergency use authorizations for uh, vaccines allow us to, to now start to vaccinate uh, healthcare providers in the public. Uh, I was uh, as an emergency physician um, in the first year and did get both of my doses of uh, the vaccine as of two weeks ago. And I'm actually excited to be able to extend that when the capacity is there to the public. I think it's really going to be important for us to share amongst family and friends how important it is to get the vaccine. There are populations um, that have not been interested interested historically in uh, being vaccinated for um, lots of good reasons in the past, but I I think it's important for us to get vaccinated uh, when those vaccines are available. So I'm I'm very excited about that and the use of technology uh, associated with it. Telehealth is another one I'm very excited about. Again, I think that the opportunity to provide care in a different model, uh, virtual, is a big deal. It is a game changer for for healthcare providers um, and patients. Um, again, something that we need to take advantage of uh, over time. Uh, what am I nervous about? I'm, I'm nervous about the ability to change. Um, I think that people are very nervous, and I think that the the healthcare model. Um, has to change coming out of this pandemic. And I'm a little nervous as to how that will happen, especially when it comes to payment models and how we'll uh, be uh, reimbursed for providing great care. Um, you know, will we be able to uh, maintain or do better uh, for care uh, and have the uh, payment models associated with it? Um, I think that uh, an upcoming potential uh, shortage in healthcare providers. The reality is, is that the COVID-19 has really caused some significant stress in the healthcare provider network. And we've already seen that there is a uh, decrease um, in um, capacity and uh, really a need in the nursing and primary care space. If you look at some of the data coming forward, we are going to be short significant numbers in both of those arenas. Uh, moving forward, that makes me nervous. Um, uh, on the flip side, I'm, I'm a glass half full kind of guy. And I think that maybe there's opportunities in telehealth, in virtual care, in care management, that we may be able to mitigate uh, some of those risks, but we're still going to need primary care physicians and nurses uh, into the future. So I think that that really um, the healthcare staffing um, and reimbursements um, are probably the things that worry me the most. Got it. That makes sense. Thank you so much for going through that. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, I want to talk a little bit about leadership. Could you share your top three pieces of advice for aspiring clinical leaders today? Yeah, as, as you've heard a little bit, I, I think informatics leadership has much more to do with, with patients and, and clinical care provisions and use of technology or the sort of that bridge between the IT and the clinical realm. And as you know, we've been talking here a lot about the healthcare provisions, not necessarily about the technology. So, so I guess my first advice would be um, for clinical leaders, especially those who, who may be interested in, in informatics, um, is to keep the patient first. It, it's the reason why we do what we do. It's the reason I went into 
medicine, medical school, and emergency medicine. It's the reason I still practice, and it's the reason I do informatics. Is that I think that keeping the patients first uh, is important, uh, but the staff is a close second because if if you can care as an informatics uh, physician, uh, as a CIO, uh, as a director of applications, uh, somebody who is actually providing care for those who care, is the way I describe it. So if we're keeping our staff whole and healthy, uh, they're able to provide um, care to the primary goal, which is which is patients first. That would be my first one. I think my second one for for up and coming leaders would uh, is to be agile. Um, I think that you have to be continuously knowledgeable. You have to grow in spaces that you may be uncomfortable with, and it's important, especially early, to say yes. So if you're asked to be involved in some area that may not make sense to you, boy, there's an opportunity to learn. Um, so don't pigeon your whole, don't pigeonhole yourself into into one area. If I'm just doing physician things or I'm just doing uh, EMR things, it's really about learning all the aspects of the business, including the technology, the infrastructure, cybersecurity, um, business provisions, uh, budgeting. Um, so I would say be agile is the second one. And the third one is is really to understand for for clinicians who are going into administrative roles, whether it's um, healthcare, IT, or others, is that um, leadership is a skill. It's something that we have as physicians, but it is much different in the clinical arena than it is in the um, administrative or healthcare IT arenas. Um, you get to leverage your strengths, your knowledge, your expertise in the areas that, that you've grown up in. But again, like being agile, there's opportunities for improvement for all of us. So, you know, like we do in, in healthcare, um, leadership uh, is a continuous learning process and um, take advantage of some really uh, great experts in leadership, um, some podcasts, some books, um, things that, that make sense to you. So develop your skills, just like you develop your skills as a physician, you develop your skills as an informatician, uh, you can develop your skills as a leader. Dr. Diffledge, thank you so much for being here today. This has been a fascinating discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again in the future. Great. Thanks for having me. And uh, Penn State Health, we appreciate the Beckers providing us this opportunity.